0: The Ultimate OD Podcast, we have an amazing episode for you. We have principles to customer service. Listen to this, it will change your staff's life, it will change your life, hopefully it changes your mindset. We have a little office talk. What does it take to start an office? How can you pare things down to the bare minimum and still be successful? I'll give you kind of the outline that I'm going through. A Closing thought of the day, this is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the Ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist, and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. Alright, my friends, this is the Ultimate OD Podcast. Thank you for coming on this journey with us. If you like what you hear, whatever you're listening on, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is, like us, give us a five-star review. We appreciate it, it helps us grow. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you're at, we're there, we're trying to give you content. So this week, I'm focused on probably the most important thing for every practice out there, and that's customer service. There's some principles that I think apply to what we do and how to do it well, but the the emphasis of this talk will be essentially a customer that's angry, right? They come in, they have a problem, And how do you address that? What do you teach your staff? What's your mindset as a doctor? What's your culture as an office? So first and foremost, remember that you have the long game in mind, okay? The key to being successful is having patients come in. And not only patients come in, but repeat patients. You want to see them for years upon years upon years. You want to see their kids and their kids until you're done practicing, right? How do you do this? You keep them happy. You provide amazing care. There's going to be a hiccup. It happens along the way. How you deal with the problem is going to dictate whether they come back or not. Okay? So know you're going to make a mistake. Your staff's going to make make a mistake. Something's going to happen. How do you deal with it? Things to remember. When something happens, the patient, the person coming in is emotional. All right? When they're emotional, they're not rational. So any irrational person can be reasoned with, not an emotional person. You know this from your personal life. You know this from yourself. When you're emotional, you just want the world to burn. You want people to hear what you have to say and you want it fixed now, even if you might be wrong. Okay, so know that. They want to be heard. They're not reasoning well. How do you deal with this? They probably are entering thinking that you're going to push back. There's going to be a fight. So, they have guns blazing. They're coming in ready to go. What do you do? The first thing you need to consider is your attitude. And if you look at your office perspective, what is your culture? Okay. Some offices' culture is to be welcoming, to reason with them, or to listen, to help them out. Some people are bottom line you never give up the fight. We did this right. Don't let them push you around. Okay. What's your culture? If you're the doctor, if you're the owner, you're going to set the tone. You're going to set the culture. People will fall in line to what you believe is right. Okay, so my best recommendation is you are there to help. You're there to give them a solution. Realize that if they're coming in complaining, they have a belief somewhere in all that craziness, all that emotion that you have the ability to fix their problem. If they did not think you could fix the problem, they wouldn't be coming to you. So take a sense of pride in that. If they want to talk to you. They just don't know how to do it or they're emotional or they had something happen through the past week. How they react isn't necessarily because of the issue at hand, but because of everything else going on. And this is the straw that broke the camel's back. So make sure you are there to help. Make sure your staff knows the most important thing is taking care of the patient, taking care of their problems. All right. When you're in this, part of the attitude, part of the culture, be aware of your body language. Before we had masks, your facial expressions would be something I would talk about. Because we're wearing masks, you can't really affect that, but make sure you're there, you're welcoming, you're listening, okay? Body language is a big thing though, so be careful not to cross your arms, not to be leaning one side to the other, hands on hips. Just be there welcoming, listening to what they have to say. Okay, that's the next thing. Listen, the worst thing that you can do, even if you're fixing the problem, you're taking care of them, is they come in, they say it, and you cut them off, and you just give them a solution. Even if it's what they want, have you ever had that happen where you start to complain, they cut you off, they give you what you want, and then you leave, and you don't feel satisfied? You feel it like you weren't heard? Even though they just just gave that to patronize me, they wanted to get me out of there and just get me out of their hair? Yeah, I got what I wanted, but they didn't hear me. It doesn't sound rational, right? You fix the problem or your problem was fixed. But when you're in that emotional state, you want to be heard. You want them to know that something they did or something that's going on just doesn't cut it and you are unhappy. So sit there, listen to what they have to say. Don't be too quick to offer solutions. And there's a way to... Have empathy without admitting guilt. Like, yes, I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry this is happening to you. Our lab has been a little behind right now with the way COVID has been going. They're not operating at this manner that we expect. And I apologize that because of that, you're dealing with this situation. Or man, the frame manufacturer has told us that this frame was really good. I don't know why it broke, but we're going to take care of it for you again. There's a way to put it on someone else or veer the conversation so it's not like, yeah, I messed up and I'm sorry about that. Find a way to get that to go. I'm sorry this happened to you. We're going to find a way to fix it. So when you go, you hear everything they have to say. The next thing I would say is the best thing to do is reiterate what's going on. So Mrs. Jones, let me just make sure I'm hearing this right. You got your glasses about a week ago and ever since you got them, they are falling off your face and you can't see with them. They're really uncomfortable. You can't believe you bought a pair of glasses like that. Yes, that's what's going. All right. Well, let me tell you this. I think you picked a great frame. Let me make some adjustments and then we'll see if that can fix the problem. If it doesn't, we have other solutions, but I really think there's some adjustments I can make to your frame to help you out. Okay, let's go. Or let me hear Mrs. Jones, you see well, they fit fine. You just don't like how that frame looks. Is it, Am I hearing you right? Yes, that's what's going on. All right, well, let me see what options we have for you when you go and attack those options. But to make sure that you let them know you're hearing what they're saying, you reiterate the problem to them. It gets twofold. One, you let them know that you're listening. And two, if you heard it wrong, or if you're saying something that isn't really the, pressure, the pain point, they'll correct you and they'll show you. It just gets you on the same page and makes them more receptive to help. And then the last thing I'll say to you is do whatever you have to do to make the problem right. All right? This is about winning the war, not winning the battle. And I think that's the worst, the, the biggest problem that your staff has that you have is you did everything right. There's nothing in this situation that you did wrong and they're being unreasonable. There's no way you should have to pay for that. That's true if you look at it. But if you win that battle and they never come back to your office again, are you better off? Ask yourself that. Bring that up to your staff. Because if you get them to see the big picture that them maybe making that change or winning this one battle, but they come back year after year after year, you're better off for it. That allows you to be more successful in the long run, okay? So have that big picture view. And realize when I'm talking about this, if they're being rude, if they're swearing, using profanity, just outright not courteous, not professional, you don't have to put up with that. That's a different different scenario that I'm talking about, right? But if they're handling it professionally, if they just are frustrated and are looking for answers, this is where you set yourself apart and take care of your patients. I know it sounds simple, I know it's easy, but you need to take a step back and make sure that you're training these things with your staff, with you, and you have that mindset and carry it out in everything that you do. Simple thing that goes a long way. We'll have more for you next week. Hi, my friends. A little office talk. As you know, I have made the decision to start another office and that's been amazing. So this office talk is kind of like a cold start. What happens when you go through this process is you start to think about everything that you want in your practice. So if you're thinking about starting an office or you have an office that you just opened, you know what I'm talking about. You'll go through, you'll put every room in there and you You want this piece of equipment, this piece of equipment. You want it set up this way, this many frames. And then you do the budget. And it's a little bit higher than you thought. It's a lot. And if you're starting cold, the thing you got to realize is you don't have the patient demand, the number of patients to get you the return on investment. You buy that OCT and you have no patients in your office. It's not going to pay for itself in the next year and a half right? So don't listen to the sales rep and saying, well, if you see this many patients, it's going to pay for itself in no time, right? You have to have a different mindset. So it makes you really take a step back and look at the minimum pieces of equipment that you need. And from my standpoint, what I think when you first start off, I like having an auto keratometer and an NCT. It just speeds things up for your techs and you go through there. When you're looking at VA charts, I hope you have LCD screens versus projection. Um, That is more of the standard of what patients are expecting nowadays. So bare minimum, those, and then obviously you have your chair, stand, slit lamp, phoropter, and go from there. Then you have your special equipment. That's the fun stuff. That's the stuff that we get constant access to in clinic when we're in school, and we want it now. But guess what? It costs a ton. And to pay for that, either with loan, if you take a loan out to pay for it, that's not smart if you don't have a patient base. If you pay for it cash, cash on hand is king when you first start the office. You want to have a little bit of money in the bank because you're going to burn through it initially when you open up and you don't have a ton of patients. So burning that to have a piece of equipment doesn't seem like the best use of your money. Opportunity cost right there right? So when I'm looking at it, I've kind of prioritized the most important piece of equipment that I have right now, but in a new office, what would I add? And I get asked this question from students all the time. The first piece of equipment that I really like and want to add is an OCT with the cornea lenses. The reason for that is I do a lot of specialty lens fits and having the OCT for the scleral lenses is invaluable in my opinion for their follow-up visits. You can see what the sagittal depth is and it also allows you to do OCT of the macula and of the optic nerve if you're treating glaucoma patients. It's versatile, gives you a lot of different options and I think that's that's invaluable when you first start off to have a piece of equipment that can do more than one thing. Now, the next thing I like is I have a compass visual field and fundus photos. People like seeing photos. You can build them so it's nice that you can take a photo of something. But two, the ability to do a visual field, again, helping with your glaucoma patients, your hydroxychloroquine patients, your plaquinol patients, I think it's good to have. The beauty of the compass is it's a two-in-one, so it's, again, versatile. And you don't have to put trial lenses in when you're doing your visual field. So... In my whole hierarchy of things, I like the OCT with the corneal lens package. If you don't have that corneal lens package, again, it's versatile, but is it as valuable to me? Probably not in my office. The compass, the fundus camera that has a visual field capability, and then the next thing would be the corneal topographer. I like doing corneal topography. It's a must if you do a lot of ortho K or myopia management. So if you're doing that, then that would that might trump things. I don't do a whole bunch of that, but I do do it. When I do any of my GP lenses or specialty fits, I think the topographer is amazing because it's just a little more accurate in my mind than the auto keratometer. So that that has value to me. The last piece of special equipment that I have that I don't know if I'm gonna to add to the new office for a couple of years, depending on how many kids I see, but the um, biometer, the axial length measurement. So I can treat them for myopia management. I think it's the best way to do myopia management it's, you can get them for about 10K, but 10K when you're first starting out is a lot of money. And if you're not seeing a bunch of those patients, you don't bill for it. It adds to your value of the myopia management. You can sell your patients and parents on it, but they don't know the difference, right? You can track it merely by their prescription and use it as your gauge. Are you doing it by the book or standard of care, which doesn't exist? Probably not, but I still see patients in offices or offices treating patients with for myopia management without it. So that's a toss up. Do I think you should get it if you have a perfect world? Absolutely. Now, if you're really into dry eye, obviously the of that blefax, the Lipaflow, all those things, I just don't do a lot of dry eye. That's not on my radar at this point, but that's my hierarchy of equipment that I've looked through and thought I needed. The next thing that I'm looking at and I think is a huge startup cost when you start an office is the frames. So I'm going through and looking at all the frames I have. Last year during the pandemic, when we got shut down, I got lean and mean. I cut a ton of frames and just worked through inventory. So I have about the bare minimum of what I think I need. And even now I'm going through and saying, do I want to bring this line to the new office? Does it bring value? Does it have a purpose in there? And the good thing is, as I go through, there's a handful of frames that I think I'd cut, maybe about Twenty at most out of five hundred frames in my office, or four hundred and fifty that I actually own that aren't on consignment. I think that's a very good percentage. So do that. Just even if you're not starting office, that's a good thing to go through and say. If I was starting a new office, would this this frame line make the cut? And honestly, if it doesn't make the cut, you should get it out of your office right now because it doesn't have value. The last thing I'm trying to do is look at is staffing wise and hours. What hours am I going to operate? That's a work in progress, we'll talk about that more next week. In the whole scheme of my current office, the biggest thing that I've added this past few weeks is I'm adding a simple IRA, um, one, because it will help me save more money for my retirement, but two, by having that, I kind of threw it out there to my staff And it adds a ton of value. So in a market that is incredibly hard to hire for right now, you're looking for every advantage you can get to keep staff with you. And I give health insurance, I give dental, obviously we have vision care. And now with a retirement plan, there's not many benefits I could offer outside of those. So if they're leaving, it's because it's just not the right job for them. Wages, my staff is anywhere from $17 an hour to my office managers at 25 it's not a money thing. It's a do you like the job? Do you fit in well? Do the hours work for your life? Right? That's good to know. I'm giving all the benefits, all the perks. If they leave, there's not much I'm going to do at this point. So, that's something that if you guys are building your office, if you're looking to keep staff, keep them happy, I've had a lot of success with that at least in the early part of it. See if it works for you. See if it makes uh, financial sense, talk to your financial advisor, see what they say. So that's a little office talk. We'll have more for you next week. Where, oh, where did the time go? Where are to the closing thought of the episode. So the book I'm reading, I talked about it, I think last week, Range, author's last name, Epstein. Solid book, nothing groundbreaking, but some good good anecdotes, good information in there something that came up and this is taught in all MBA programs business school it's called carter racing and essentially it's a racing team that has to decide whether they race or they don't race and they give a bunch of data points and essentially say that the engine has failed x amount of times in these conditions and it's done well x amount of times in these conditions But it doesn't give the whole, all the data points in there. It just gives a few scattered amounts. And then, essentially, there's a final race of the season. And they have to decide, do we race or not race? There's a chance that the engine could fail. If the engine fails, you're going to lose your sponsorships. You might be done. You might be out. But if you race and you win, you finish in the top five, you're set. You're going to go places that you, doors will open that never had the possibility. And, business students will debate it they'll go over it and see where they come up well moral of the story is when you get into it is there's a bunch of data points that tell when the engine failed but it's incomplete data every student wants to know all the data of the information but they're like oh we didn't get it so we'll just kind of work off what we have the professor asks them you know when they go in discuss did you race or did you not race and then why did you make your decision and they come out and say it and then he asks, is there anything that could have made this easier? And a lot of almost to a T, every student will say, I wish we had these data points. And he would point out and say, When I gave you this assignment, I said four times, four different times, if you need any more information, you need to reach out to me and I'll give it to you. Right? At least reach out and do it. And they kind of said, Oh man, I didn't we didn't we didn't do it. They just didn't do it because they only had the information at hand, and that's what they operated off of. Well, the crazy thing about that is when you look at what that Carter Racing was, 90% of people will decide to race. And when you got the full data, you realized, given the conditions and the circumstances that they gave, they were not going to succeed. Everything pointed to that was going to fail. Well, extrapolate this all the information, all the data points, was from the Challenger space shuttle. And that's the one that went up and blew up and everything failed. And essentially it was the same data point, same scenario. And because the NASA engineers got all the information, but they didn't take the time to get the information that they didn't have, which they easily could have gotten, there was an explosion and people died. People lost their lives, right? And why do I bring this up? And it's that with what we do in life, whether it's our personal life, our offices, our kids, parenting, etc. we take the information at hand and rather than take the time, effort and energy to get the missing information, we just make the best decision possible with what's in front of us. And you know, 50% of the time, 60% of the time, that might be the best case scenario. But there's other times when you can take the time, effort and energy and get the missing data and give yourself more information to make the better choice. And that, maybe not in what we're doing, but in certain scenarios in life can be life or death. In terms of your practice, success or failure, right? The moral of the story is whatever you're doing, take the time, do it right, get every piece of information you can when you're making big, vital decisions. Okay? Sometimes you have to adapt and adjust on the fly, but When you have your vision, when you have your game plan and you're making some of these big decisions that are going to steer you in one direction or the other for the next five to 10 years, get all the information before you proceed. Your day-to-day life, when you're looking at the trees, again, make your choice, move and go on. But the big decisions, when you're talking about the forest, looking at your compass, you got to get all the information. That's what I got. Dr. Lily out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.